Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bonus Breakdown Podcast, an extension of our Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and today we will be taking on your questions in recruiting, consisting from the 2019 class, 2020 class, and the 2021 class. I'll be answering all of y'all's questions. Thank you to all of you who did send in your questions, and then I'll be giving, you know, whatever whatever's left over, I'll be giving my thoughts on. So let's get into it. Um, hope everybody out there is staying safe and hope everybody is is being productive with their time so today i wanted to get into recruiting because i did a couple stories on uh, mingering 24 7 both of them are vip so check them out if you are a vip um if you haven't subscribed yet we ran a really good promo um this week making it like two dollars a month for the year if you did got an annual subscription um if nothing else sign up for our newsletter on Green 24-7, it's really easy. It's, we send out newsletters basically every other day with stuff that we are doing. And yeah, we, I wrote a story on the 2021 class. I wrote it um, basically players to watch for basically. And it's players that I think North Texas not only has a good chance of getting, but North players that North Texas should be going after. And one thing I do want to say before we get into everything is We've seen North Texas in this 2021 class be ultra aggressive. We've seen them target guys like, let's say on average, the the target rating of players two years ago in the 2019 class was probably around 81, you know, 82 maybe, maybe in, in that range, which is really good. That's a really good rating when you look at past North Texas classes. Last year, it went up a little bit. You know, it was the average rating of the class, I believe, was 83 or so, but that doesn't that doesn't take into account, you know, who they targeted. Cause I feel like they targeted 83s more so than they did the year before, even though the ratings were, the average ratings were similar this year. You go through it and, you know, some of these players aren't rated by composite yet. A lot of them are only 24 seven, but I mean, we're talking about 84s, 85s, 86, even like there's some, there was an 87 I listed yesterday and I was like, dude, North Texas could be in contention for him. I mean, these guys are going to be, this class is, this could be the, the class that's like, okay, no, 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 this is, this is like the, this is like the class that could have some pro guys in it. In theory, obviously, nobody's signed yet, so I don't want to uh, get anybody overly excited when they don't need to be, but anyways, that's just the feeling I'm getting from the 2021 offers, and obviously offers are very different from commitments because you have to do the legwork to get them, so... Um, but yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into all of uh, your questions and everything here. Uh, let me make sure I have all my tabs up that I need on my computer and we will get into it. Okay. All right, we're just going to go in order of when the questions were sent to me, I believe. Um, this won't be exactly accurate, but we'll get to all your questions. So first was from Billy Sierra. The first question was, are you concerned with the 2020 O-line class lack of scholarship offers? Ratings were decent, but not much from past classes in terms of offers received. Okay, so let me, I don't want to forget anybody. Let's go to the 2020 class. Um, commits, here we go. Um, so he said, you know, the ratings were good, but they didn't have as many offers. Does that concern me? So we have Eric Williams, 
offensive tackle, 86 rated, best player in the class, best highly rated player, highest rated player in the class, I should say. Cade Bond, guard, really good from Magnolia, 83.6 rated. Um, Jet Duncan, 83.5 rated guard from the Woodlands. Um, Dane Jackson, center from Kentucky, 80, 82 rated almost, 81.5. And then Antarius Gray and Tishon Turpin, both junior college players, um, both around 81 rated. So, yeah, you have four, I think it was four, Dane, Jet, Cade, and um, Eric. Those are the four true freshmen, or the two, the four incoming freshmen, I should say. And then you have two um, incoming um, junior college players. And so does that concern me? Because when I, when I look at that, I, I don't see... I don't see a lack of offers there. I don't know how to word this, but you could tell what their emphasis was early on, right? You could tell that they were trying to fill their needs first and foremost, right? So that's that's why you saw multiple tight end offers. That's why you saw defensive line offers. That's why you saw safeties. Um, and I'm not sure that because of what the 2019 class brought in, in terms of commits i'm not sure if they were going all in the same way that they did 2019 right so 2019 when you look at it, i think it was probably four or five as well but you look at that and you're like you have back-to-back classes of signing four or five offensive linemen you're at eight ten you know you're at a good amount you had daxton byers uh john brunner chris cassidy and i thought there was one more i could have sworn there was one more maybe i'm not chris cassidy buyers. Oh, there's only three. So yeah, um, so three, not four. But anyways, I don't think you need to go overly crazy with signing five or six incoming freshman offensive tackles. I think they knew that they 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 needed junior college guys to come in, and so they got those two. It's arguable how good they are. We don't know yet. Um, but I have no problem with them getting four offensive linemen and especially Eric Williams being as highly ranked as he as he is Cade Bond I mean all these dudes are very high rated and I have no I don't have a real problem with that at all um if anything I think the offensive line is in a really good spot in the, after the 2019-2020 classes I th- I really do um ratings were decent but make sure I read it right yeah, I, I'll have to go back and look at the 2018-17 classes. But, I mean, I would rather have this than whatever they were doing in 2017 where they were signing Jordan Redfern with 75-rated players. I mean, no, I'm, I'm okay. Anyways, second question from Billy is, uh, who do you think will have the best UNT career of the 2019 signees who redshirted? So this eliminates um, Deontay Simpson, I believe. And this eliminates uh, Kevin Wood, I believe. Let me make sure. Um, Deshaun Gaddy also did not redshirt. Oh, so he'd probably be my pick. Oh, I think the, there's an obvious pick here. The obvious pick is Oscar Attaway. I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Wood redsh- or, uh, did not redshirt. Uh, Deshaun Gaddy did not redshirt. Deontay Simpson did not redshirt. And uh, there was another one. Where is he? Leandre Davis did not uh, redshirt. So we're looking at it from, I mean, I don't even know who else there could be. I think one of these receivers is going to pop with as Damon Ward, Hatib Lyles, or Keelan Jackson. Um, but I think Oscar Attaway is the pick. 
Also, look at the, the the linebacker class is really good here. Gabriel Murphy and Grayson Murphy both redshirted. I like both of them. And um, yeah, I think I think the offensive linemen are going to be good. Like I said before, I think that I don't have a problem with the offensive line that they signed. Daxton Byers could be in contention for starting um, next year. I mean, there's there's some possibilities for that. So uh, yeah, I, I'll say Oscar Adaway for that one. Um, next, thank you, Billy, for your questions. NTSN sent the next questions. Number one, um, who do you think will uh, from the 2019 class will have the will have an impact this year from the players who uh, redshirted? Again, I'm gonna go Oscar Attaway. I, um, this might sound like an Oscar Attaway um, ad or something. I don't care, but Oscar Attaway. Not only will he be in the three running back rotation, but Trey Siggers. In case y'all forgot, is injured at the moment. Like he got hurt at the end of the season. He tore his ACL. Oscar Attaway could be the second running back, and he could be the starting running back. Like DeAndre Torrey will be there. Obviously, we all know how good DeAndre Torrey is. But Oscar Attaway could have the upside that gets him starting as a redshirt freshman. That's scary. Um, who else do I think could, from a redshirt freshman perspective? Mm, I I. Th- I wouldn't be surprised to see some Hatib Lyles or Damon Ward out there. I would I would definitely expect the Murphy brothers to get snaps, significant snaps at the linebacker position. I don't think they'll start, but I think they get snaps. And then I would expect Daxton Byers to get uh, snaps at tackle as well. Or even, I haven't seen him, but maybe he can move into a guard position. He's 6'5". I mean, he doesn't, I don't know how quick he is off the ball, but um, yeah, Daxton Byers also. So yeah, those are, those are my picks at the moment. Uh, number two, do you think it will come back to hurt UNT that they didn't actually sign a QB in the 2020 class, not a preferred walk-on? In short, no. But the longer answer is yes, because they didn't get Cade Renfro, right? Like, it's it's no, because they don't need a quarterback. Or they needed a quarterback, but they didn't need a freshman quarterback, right? They needed a quarterback they could play this year. Not one that could play in three years, because in three, in two, two, in two, three years, they should potentially, you know, know what they're doing with their position. Jason Bean, Austin Ani, they should know what they have. Right now, they don't know what they have. So there, there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of hope from those guys that they can come in and they can play, and play well, or at least play serviceable to at a serviceable level. But I think I told Colin this: if they would have got Cade Renfro, there was a potential that Cade Renfro could have started as a freshman. And Cade Renfro wasn't even that crazy, like, highly rated. He was rated an 84, I believe, off the top of my head. But, like, we haven't seen anything from Jason Bean or Austin Ani that makes us be like, oh, no, he's the starter. So it's like, I'm hesitant. I, I really am about the quarterback situation. Um, So do I think that they needed a quarterback in 2020? No. Do I think that they, in, in hindsight, it will come back to hurt them that they didn't get Renfro? Yes. But it could be easily made up for in the fact that the 2020 class is not over, right? They still have a couple spots left. They're going to be going after graduate transfers. They're going to be going after junior college transfers even more. Um, I expect a graduate transfer too. Just I, That's not having any inside information. That's just what I expect because why else would you be waiting this long? Um, I think there definitely is a Band-Aid solution to this problem, and I don't know if they'll do it this year or not. So we'll see about that. Um but yeah, and then I, I look at the 2021 class as the crucial class for quarterbacks. I really do. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, third question. 
what area of recruiting do you think Seth Luttrell and the overall program are good at uh, position-wise? I think that they've shown that they're really good with receivers, right? Jalen Guyton transferred in, uh, Rico Bussey, Jalen Darden. Uh, Mike Law was already here, I believe, or he was the first was the first class. Um, I mean, you you name those four off the bat. Then you go to Deontay Simpson, Hatib Lyles, um, Damon Ward. Even they've made Jair shorter from a tight end to a receiver, Austin Agunmakin, and that's just their development more than anything. And it also probably helped that they had Mason Fine, but. I'm still going to give credit to the receivers because I think that I think they've done a really good job re- recruiting receivers. Um, who, what other position do I think they've done well at? Uh, running back's a simple answer from Trey Siggers, DeAndre Torrey, uh, Oscar Attaway. I think those are those are really good backs. Um, linebacker's an interesting one because I don't think they, they the Davis boys were that good last year, but they recruit decently well. Uh, Grayson Murphy and and I mean the Murphy Bros uh, Wood etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, trying to make sure I didn't forget anybody. Definitely not the offensive line, not the defensive line. Even though they've had success on the defensive line before, yeah, I think that's it. I'll go receivers for the most part. Yeah. And number four from NTSN. Do y'all expect maybe a higher rated class in 2021, or is it too early to tell? So yeah, like I said before, they're aiming for the stars. And you got to give that to them, right? You have to commend the effort of being like, we're just going to continue to take it up a notch until we reach our ceiling because they don't, from their perspective, it's like, why are we limiting ourselves to 83s, 82s? They're looking at 84s, 85s, 86s. And that is not only impressive, but it's pretty admirable, really. I mean, to be able to have your goals set that high and because I haven't even seen offers like I was looking at the I've been looking at the 2021 class the past or 2021 offers I should say the past few days and like we're not even seeing offers of like under 83 I'm trying to remember what the lowest rated offer I saw was it's 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 not low (laughs) so those days of getting any two stars is pretty much over I mean not that they got a two star last year but I mean they're not even thinking about them and so but just like anything else, when you go after the bigger players, you're going to lose out on more of them. So we'll see how that compensates or see if that balances out, you know, because everybody can talk a big game and be like, yeah, we want the 85 rated to head offers from Kansas and Iowa State. But, you know, you might have to settle for and I, I use settle as a not a derogatory, um, not a demeaning term, but you might have to settle for an 82, 83 rated player. And that's perfectly fine, really, because if you set your standards high, I think they'll be OK. So yeah, I do ex I I do expect a higher rate class. I I would say close to eighty four. They got eighty three point three last year. I want to say so. I'll expect eighty four here. Thank you for your questions. NTSN. Next up, um, I'm trying to remember who sent the question first. Bobby sent the question third. Um, interested in how our previous classes stack up in conference and if those comparisons have been playing uh, playing out on the field. Hmm. Well, here's a here's a really simple thing, and this will actually go into kind of a deeper discussion. So, thank you for your question. Yeah, there's there's a few of them here, but um, one interesting thing for me for North Texas, uh, Colin and I had this really really long debate. That was a really good debate, saying that North Texas product on the field and those wins that they had the past two years, uh, when they won the nine win seasons, did not 
accurately reflect the talent on the team, if that makes sense. So they had Mason Fine, they had Jalen Guyton come in, you know, they had EJ Ajia um, come in from all those guys come in at once, and boom, they had a good team. Boom, they won nine wins. But when you look at the recruiting, right, we're looking at 2016, where they ranked 102nd in the country, 8th in the conference. 2017, where they ranked 12th or 11th in the conference, 115th in the country. 2018, 101st in the country, 8th in the conference. Like, we're looking at three straight classes where you didn't do your job, really. And it wasn't until 2019 when they came in 4th in the conference, 75th in the country. Like, okay, we're starting to see it. 2020, 1st in conference, 68th in the country. Now you see it, right? And so Colin and I's conversation was always that they had the top-end talent, you know, EJ Adia, um, Jalen Guy, Enrico Bussey, Mason Fine, etc. But when you got into the actual nitty-gritty of the team, you look at, you're looking at 76, 77, 78 rated players, and you're just like, you're not even comp- you're not even recruiting to the level that Conference USA requires to be an elite team, right? And that's what held that team back so much, and that's what, in my opinion, cr- crumbled this team last year, and that's what crippled them is that Rico Buskey went down, that's one of your top two, three players. And when that happens, then you're starting to rely on freshmen because you don't have those juniors and sophomores that can step up. When a senior goes down, you don't have juniors right behind them. You have freshmen. And, for example, at the linebacker position, Katie Davis um, and Tyreek Davis, Katie was a sophomore, obviously. Tyreek was a junior. Behind them was Kevin Wood was the third linebacker. You didn't have, and he's a true freshman, and you're just like, where are where's the depth? Where's the people? Where are the people that can come in and play whenever there's an injury? Um, you saw, for example, at the tight end position, Kelvin Smith was out for half the year. You saw Jason Pertle have to step up, be the tight, starting tight end, and then who else? You had to, I, I Cole McCrary. I mean, you had nothing. You had nothing, and so that's why that's another position where the depth hurt. And then you go. I mean, for instance, quarterback, Mason Fine, you had not, you had redshirt freshman behind him. There's just so many positions where you're just like, where is the depth? And it's blatantly obvious when you look at the 2017, 2016, 2018 classes, you're just like, oh, there is no depth. There is no depth. So that's why those classes hurt so, so, so much. And... That's what hopefully these two classes, 2019-2020, are going to fix is the depth. I think that more than anything, I mean, you look at the bottom of these, you look at the bottom of this like 2017 class and you're just like, you know, Evan Evan Johnson was a cool back, but I mean, he's a senior now and you, you don't expect him in the top three of the rotation. Brian Parrish, offensive lineman, like, uh, okay, Jacob Brammer, uh, okay. Like, there's, there's nobody on here, especially towards the bottom, where you're just like, I mean, even you have Gregory White here, who was an 80-rated, who's like, all right, Greg White is it can play. Like, nobody's doubting that. But at this point in your career, it's like you don't have those guys that are going to put you over the top. They're just kind of stop gaps in a, in a sense. So um, it is tough for me So to answer that question because I think that North Texas has actually – superseded their their uh, recruiting like I, I definitely do think that I mean you can't recruit in the bottom half of the conference and win the conference but they almost did that 
right? So, um, yeah, I think the 2020 season or 2019 season for North Texas was definitely that kind of showing. All those cracks in the armor just kind of came all at once and it kind of just crumbled. So, yeah, I hope I answered that question. Um, But as far as the entire conference goes, I'd have to look at that in more depth. But um, um, maybe that's a story for a coming day. Second question from Bobby is interested in how the recruiting strategy changes with the new staff, uh, with the new changes in staff. So from my, what I've understood, as far as the 2020 class, because if you remember, those changes came pretty quickly after the season. Nothing really changed. They were still targeting the same players. They were still reaching out to the same players. Um, I didn't see any um, actual changes, even though, what was it? They had, they had 18 or no, I don't remember how much they had come signing day, 16, 17, somewhere around there. Um, and so they still had spots to fill, but I didn't see anything drastically change when the new staff came in. Obviously, you got a lot of guys that um, know what they're doing, but I didn't see anything crazy. And in all honesty, I'm we know Clint Bowen from Kansas has a ton of connections. We know that. Um, but who else changed on the defense? I don't think anybody else did. You still have Clay Jennings, Clint, Galen Scott, um, oh, the defense line coach, Eric Matthews, is new. Um, so, yeah, you have coaches that are going to bring in new stuff, but I think more than anything, the 2020 class was pretty much set, and so I think they focused on more of the installation. They had a lot of other things on their mind. So, uh, But moving forward, moving forward, I think that we will see a difference in recruiting from Clint Bowen, in Clint Bowen from Troy Refford. How that is exactly, I don't know. But just talking to both of them and like getting to know both of them, they're so different as people. I don't see how they can be the same in recruiting. And uh, I don't know if that's for the better or for the worse, but um, Clint Bowen's been in this a lot. Not saying that Refit hasn't, but Clint Bowen's resume is pretty uh, pretty good, even though obviously you look at the Kansas teams that struggled. But, I mean, you look at who he had, it's, it's tough. Like he's been battling uphill his entire career at Kansas. And now at North Texas, he's – should be on the same playing field as everybody else in Conference USA. So I'm interested to see what he does there. But that's I, I do think he'll be. Um, I think with Seth Luttrell at the helm, I'm not worried about the offensive changes. I think the recruiting strategy stays the same there. What positions are leaving for this upcoming class, and where is the need? What positions are leaving for this upcoming class, and where is the need? Okay. Um, I'm not sure what the first part of this asks, but where's the need? Um, I'll say this first need on the 2021 class is quarterback. You need a quarterback and you need a good quarterback. Just get a quarterback. (laughs) Second, I still think you need to continue to improve the offensive line. I will continue to say that day after day. Um, third, I think you have to continue to attack the defensive line because if you look at the depth chart, there's a lot of seniors on that defensive line. And I know that they brought in Devontae McCray, who has three years of eligibility, who's going to be really good. They have young guys there that are going to be good. But you need to continue to attack that, and you need to continue to get uh, defensive linemen. Um, and then lastly, I guess I'll say they got two linebackers in the twenty nine or 2019 class. Or I'm sorry, in the 2020 class. But I think they could use some more. I think you need more, especially with um, some of the players graduating up top. Um, I just I think they could they could hit a home run with, at the linebacker position, and it'll, it could change stuff. It could change things. So I, I look forward to that. 
Um, other than that, I think the secondary is always a need, but who knows? We'll see how that plays out. Uh, thank you, Bobby, for your questions. Let's see what else we got here. We have a good amount of questions from um, I Wonder the World. Uh, let's see what order should I answer these in. I'll go. I'll go from the top here. Who from the 2019 and 2020? And I'm sorry if there's any repeat questions. Um, I didn't. I wanted to make sure I answered every question, so I'm reading every question. So he asked, uh, "Who from the 2019 and 2020 class classes has the best chance of significant playing time on the O line?" That's a great question. That's a fantastic question. So, so wait, let me make sure I read it right. 2019, 2020. Okay, yeah. Um, from the 2019 class, the highest rated was Dax and Byers. And like I said before, I could even see him moving it to guard, but I have to see him in um, in person. But we, that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, John Brunner, Chris Cassidy, all three of those guys are um, were over were over 80 rated when they came in. So. Then we go to the 2020 class, and we see Eric Williams, um, Cade Bond, Jet Duncan, Dane Jackson, right? Those are the four. So we're talking about seven guys, and there are going to be holes on this offense line. We know that. And so which one of those breaks through? I, I think. Oh, this is gonna sound crazy. Okay, the retro freshmen are obviously at an advantage, right? So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if any of them broke through, right? Daxton Byers, et cetera, et cetera. Chris Cassidy. But of this 2020 class, I will say while Eric Williams is was the highest rated and he may be the best, he's he looks like he could start a tackle right now. I mean, good lord, he's quick. He can get off the ball. I haven't seen him in person, so his strength is the my only question right now. But he is quick enough. He played like fullback at times. In high school like he could move that well so um he's six five he can move really well eric williams has the quickness to play off the bat Cade bond at guard though with what we know about the guard position on this team and what we actually what we don't know about the guard position on this team i could see Cade bond and jet duncan stepping in pretty quickly both of them 83 and a half rated call me crazy man i i think both of them could start like i mean I mean, you are, you have the most you have the uh, Manasseh's left, right? Sasai graduate, yeah. You have Manasseh still, who obviously will be there, but I don't I don't see anyone else here that I I look at. Like you have Dazen Carroll, who I believe is a tackle. Uh, you have other players who are good, but I mean, at this point, I've told Colin before, like this is kind of just like a rebuild year where you need to get young players playing time because. Let's be honest, you, like I said before, you didn't do your job recruiting in the 2016 through 18 classes, so now you're looking at a rebuild year, and while I think the expectation is that you do win five games still, you win five, six games, you're in contention for a bowl berth, but in reality, you have to get these young players playing time because the seniors that you have on this team, or the upperclassmen, I should say, aren't either aren't present or aren't talented enough to take you over the top, um, and I don't think that's that's a crazy thing to say at all when you look at the senior class. I mean, besides, you know, Jalen Darden, um, I do think that you need to get young players playing time. So I'm, I'm going to look at that. I'm looking at this entire season with that perspective, basically. So yeah, I look at both um, Cade Bond and Jet Duncan. I like both of them a lot. So we will see. 
Next, from my wonder of the world, how many slots left for 2020? Are they looking for late qualifying high school or JUCO or grad transfer? Seems like late qualifying high school may be tough given the COVID situation. I do agree with that last sentence. That that would be tough. I I just assume graduate transfer. That's 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 all I'm I'm assuming right now. I I mean they they made a JUCO offer I believe recently for the 2020 class. Uh, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they got maybe one JUCO one grad. Um, and Latrell's always been kind of coy about how many slots they have left exactly. Uh, so I believe it's two. It could be three, but I believe it's two. So, um, but yeah, I'm expecting graduate transfer. Whether I would, I mean, they've already had two JUCO offensive linemen, but maybe you bring in a grad transfer offensive lineman and actually get a good one. No shot to DeAndre playing, but it didn't work out at all. Like you need to actually hit on these transfers. On the graduate transfers, I should say. Nick Harvey didn't really work out either. And I love Nick Harvey. Great guy. But, I mean, you need to hit on some of these. If you're going to if you're gonna make a bowl game next year, you need to hit on these last two spots. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised for a graduate transfer or two. I would expect two graduate transfers. That's my guess. But who knows? Uh, next is, who is their top two QB target for 2021? Any chance they sign two again? Now, I'll give you all some VIP uh, insight if y'all are not already subscribed. Um, I wrote this story today, actually, like two hours ago before I went and ate lunch or breakfast, however, whatever you consider the first meal of the day. Um, 2021, I have two players as top of my big, big board, I guess, if you want to call it. Because like I said before, they're swinging for the fences. <laughs> like you look at their the ratings of the quarterbacks they're targeting, or not targeting, but they've offered, which isn't it isn't uncommon to offer high rated quarterbacks or high rated players from your area. But they've done it so much. It's like like ninety six rated, ninety three rated, eighty five rated, eighty five rated, ninety seven rated, ninety four rated, ninety one rated, eighty eight rated, eighty six rated, eighty five rated, eighty four rated. So the two that I'm focused on the most are Lucas Coley out of San Antonio, 85-rated composite, 6-1 dual-threat quarterback, fast. Um, his team is really good in cornerstone, uh, Christian in San Antonio. He is um, he's very talented, and I'm, I'm looking at him. And then second, I'm looking at Landon Rogers from Little Rock, Arkansas, 6-4, also dual-threat, not quite as fast as Lucas, um, but 84-rated. Again, these are really high-rated players, and for context Cade Renfro I believe was an 84 rated or he was a high 83 he was somewhere around there like these guys are elite I haven't even seen those are their lowest offers those are um, North Texas lowest quarterbacks offers if I word that correctly make sure I word that correctly but anyways yeah I mean they're they're offering a lot of really good players so I'm gonna say Landon Rogers and Lucas Coley are at the top of my boards they offered I mean a lot of the guys that I think like Charles Wright I had um on their big board, he committed to Iowa State. Daniel Greek from uh, Liberty Christian committed to Mississippi State. So you just have dudes that are like already committed places at like P5 schools. So yeah, Lucas Coley, Landon Rogers, I'm looking at a lot. And again, you can get a lot of stuff like that by becoming a VIP. So next I, from I Wonder the World is should we look for two running backs this class? Hmm. More than two receivers. So. Well, first, um, let me go back to your other question. Any chance they sign two quarterbacks? Yes, I definitely do. I do think they sign two quarterbacks. I do. Next, uh, should we look for two running backs in this class? Yes. Yes. And that is 
partially because of quality of backs if they are able to get them, but also because of the amount of seniors they have. Um, the amount of seniors they have on this team, right? So we look at DeAndre Torrey, Nick Smith, Evan Johnson. Those are three off, just off the top of my head. And then you have a you have a junior right behind them. I think Trey Siggers is a junior in this year. So I mean, you have four upperclassmen running backs. Oscar Attaway is the only scholarship other running back. And then you have Isaiah jo- Johnson coming in as well. I think they bring in two running backs. I wouldn't be surprised if one was a junior college transfer, but you bring in at least one high school guy. And I again, I went through... Uh, two of them on my list of t- 10 2021 offensive targets you need to keep an eye on. So check that out. But yes, I would be expecting two running backs from this class. More than two receivers is going to be tough though. Because I feel like they have, I feel like they just, I feel like they already have receivers, man. They signed two last year, uh, DeTravian Brown and Lorenzo Thompson. Before that, I believe they signed four. Is that right? Sounds right. Deontay Simpson, Keelan Jackson, Damon Ward, Hatib Lyles. That's off the top of my head. I think that's four. I mean, that is four, but I don't. I think that's it. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect more than two. I think it just. It's kind of like the situation based, right? Like Detravian Brown was a late addition. Like he's gonna be really good, but he was a late addition. Um, I think though their target is two. I would assume. Could they get three? Yes. Could they get one? Yes. I mean, who knows where we'll be at. Um. But I think they're happy with where they're at as far as receivers go. Next up is, should we look for two running backs this class? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I just I just read that. Um, next up is, how has the amount of offensive line signees the last two classes affected the ability of recruit to recruit for other position needs? This is kind of the opposite of the first question we had, right? Um, this is saying that they signed enough offensive linemen to take away from other positions. Which I don't think is fully true. Um, I think that they just signed what they needed, and they needed offensive line because, like I said before, they couldn't recruit offensive line for the life of them. The past, like the first two, three years of recruiting, and now they're just like, well, shoot, we can get good players finally, so let's go get offensive linemen because Lord knows they need offensive linemen. So um, I have no problem with them getting offensive linemen. Like four. Four freshmen, four incoming freshmen, and two junior college. I don't have a problem with. I wish the junior college players were higher rated or were, were a little better, but they were kind of late in the process. So I don't know. You know, maybe this was just whatever they could get. Um, but I don't have a problem with four offensive linemen per class. Like I, I don't personally. Um, I'm trying to think if it's affected the ability to recruit other positions. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe the quarterback last year, a quarterback could have been had last year if they didn't need six offensive linemen. Uh, maybe they could have got another running back, which I don't think they needed, but maybe they could have got uh, another corner. That would have been kind of interesting. Or maybe another linebacker, actually. Because when I look at last year's class, I look at they didn't have, they had two linebackers, Jacoby Johnson and uh, Jordan Brown. But both of them are listed as outside linebackers. I think Jordan Brown could play inside, but from they didn't get a true inside linebacker. So that was concerning to me as well. So yeah, maybe they could have filled other spots, but I had no problem with what they did last year. Lastly, the last question we have today from I Wonder the World is, has the NCAA offered new guidance on how coaches can recruit virtually or through calls in lieu of visits? Yeah, so basically, in case y'all didn't know, recruiting is in a dead period until I believe May 5th, something like that. I don't know. But basically, all that is is players can't visit, right? So they can't come to them, and coaches can't go to them. 
other than that, though, everything is pretty much business as, as usual. I think another what, what, another guideline is that players have to call coaches, but I know that that's kind of been a thing for a while in certain settings. So um, I'm not sure if that's even, you know, that much of a change, you know, coach. But um, I don't look at it as being that much different. Honestly, I've heard of in-home visits virtually. I know I saw one from Texas. I saw Texas did that. I wouldn't be surprised if North Texas started doing that. But again, players have to call coaches. So um, it's 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 an interesting spot that they're in. But um, I don't think I'll change too, too much. So yeah, uh, answered all y'all's questions. Thank you all for your questions. I wanted the world. Um, NTSN. Billy, Sierra, Bobby, all four of y'all. Appreciate y'all's questions and interaction with me. That helps a lot in doing this, and it helps other people, you know, maybe because they didn't know what to ask. Now they um, know what to ask, and they're also getting this content um, and knowledge, I guess. Um, but, yeah, other uh, real quickly, I'll, I'll name three other 2021 players I like. This is some VIP content as well. Uh, we talked about running backs. Um I like Aaron Dumas out of El Paso. I believe he's right in 84 by 24-7. Um, Gabe Blair out of Denton Geyer. I see no reason why North Texas should not be all over that. Like, come on now. We're talking about Denton Geyer and North Texas might be the best offer he has, if I remember correctly. Um, defensively, there's a lot, a lot of players that I'm looking at that I'm excited about. Corey Hyder out of Woodville is going to be really good. Uh, Jadan Burnett is also going to be really good out of uh, Fort Worth, Norland Catholic. Um, so yeah, those are just some names for y'all to chew on. Again, if y'all are VIP, you can you'll get you can get twenty names. I think I've given you like five this episode. So uh, yeah, if you're VIP, go check that out. Um, maybe we can do one another one of these in about a month or so. Colin and I have a podcast coming up this weekend, going through the uh, spring depth chart. Uh, just going through basically the entire depth chart, uh, talking about the lack of spring football, talking about you know players that uh, we have high expectations for, um, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff will be this weekend, probably on a Saturday, probably on Saturday. I'm putting this out on Thursday, so yeah, Saturday. Um, we'll ask for questions at that point, but uh, I appreciate all y'all's recruiting questions. If y'all have any other questions, just DM me. Um, I'm usually... I can usually answer them unless if I've written a story about them, in which case I'll just send you the story. Um, but yeah, thank you all for your questions. Y'all stay safe, stay home. I'll talk to y'all on Saturday with Colin for our podcast then. And until then, y'all have a good one.